stay connected to who you are because you are a mom and so much more. Sometimes we identify with this motherhood perspective of us so deeply because we think about our kids constantly. They always need us. We spend so much time worrying about caring for all of these things for our family. And truly, if we respect and value and put time into what makes us us, we're going to be better at that role. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we'll be chatting with another one of my lifelong friends, Lisa Betcher. Lisa is the mama of four little ones. The youngest one joined just over, was it five weeks? Five weeks? Five weeks ago. Five weeks ago. She's married to her husband, Mark, and they recently moved out to the country. Lisa owns Prim and Clove, and we are excited to dive into all of the things today. But first, we wanted to start by having you introduce yourself. I think you did a great job introducing me. I am really excited to be here and have you in my home for this interview, especially. So thank you for coming to me for this interview. Ah, this is going to be fun. And I've gotten to know Lisa well over the past year or so. We went through pregnancy together with our third, and Lisa has four babies now. And we both have tiny little babies in our arms. So you might hear them squeaking, you might hear them squawking. But I'd love to hear how newborn life is going for you, because you do have a full house. I have a very full house, but I'm also forever going to be a baby person. Are you going to stop after this one? I tell people that I'm 96% sure we're done because I want to leave some margin for changing my mind about that. (laughs) We have very full lives, very full arms right now, but I'm not ready to make that concrete yes or no. (laughs) But being a baby person, it's just so beautiful to have a new life in your house and in your arms. And yes, there's overwhelming moments, but the newborn phase is just something that I treasure so much. And so it's going really well because I love it. Four kiddos sounds like so much off air before this. We were saying that it's the amount where it stops people in their tracks. They're like four kids, like as if it's a really crazy amount to have. I know you've had some of those interactions, but I know now you've done this four times. You've transitioned. Um, when there's a newborn in the house, that's a big move, whether you're going from one, two, three, or four. So I was wondering if you had any great advice to pass on to our moms that are about to meet another baby. Totally. And I think what I can offer is that I've learned something in each transition with each of my children. And so I've gotten better at advocating for what I want this transition with bringing another baby into our house to look like. And so it's going well right now, better than expected. I actually 
feel the way that I remember transitioning to three kids was very, very challenging. I know a lot of moms will say going from one to two was a lot harder than going from two to three, but two to three for me was the hardest experience. And part of that, I think, is that I had three kids, three and under. And so my needs and my arms and my time were spread so thin and I didn't have as much support around me. And so I learned from that experience rather than letting that happen again this time. I really wanted to set myself up with a support system so that I could have downtime when we brought the baby home and I could take the time to heal and rest and savor in this precious newborn phase that I love so much while not feeling like I have to be everything to everyone all at once. I could focus on this precious transition. My advice really would be set yourself up with a support system whether that's, you know, you can have hired childcare, whether that's a doula coming in and helping you at home, whether that's, you know, a mother-in-law or a mother or family who can help you. Also, let go of any expectations that you have, because I think if we set parameters on how we feel like things should go rather than letting them happen and navigating through it, it creates more stress. Obviously, we don't need more stress, especially in a time when we're not sleeping. (laughs) Oh, no. And just don't try to do too much. You know, take it day by day or even hour by hour sometimes. I'm a total doer like Abby. I have lists even on maternity leave. I joke all the time I'm on maternity leave project 1,049 (laughs) of organizing things in my house. But, you know, we need to take care of what's right in front of us. And that's ourselves and our babies and our family. And, you know, focus on focus on that, I would say. One other thing that I just want to note is that incorporating your kids into transitions when you have more than one has been so fun. So rather than feeling like it's stressful that you're going to have other little ones around, give them tasks. Tell them, get you a diaper, get you a wipe, fill your water bottle if they're old enough. Having my oldest be of the age where they can help this time around and want to be involved has been really really transformational in the experience and also just practical level helpful. Okay, those were really good. I'm always saying that I'm glad that we have this on a podcast so I can go back and instead of writing down notes. Now, Owen's pretty chill, but I know that Ford has had a little bit of colicky, a little bit of fussiness, whatever you want to call it. So how do you make it through this season? I'm glad you noticed that when Amy (laughs) holds him, he's She's pacing around our house rather than just holding a content little baby. That is definitely his personality right now. I've been through this before, and I think that helps this time around because I know that this is not going to last forever. Some days feel like an eternity when I cannot set him down to do anything, but I think what is helpful for me is to acknowledge that this is really hard. It's not that I can just set him down and have a content baby and even go to the bathroom. Sometimes when I do that, he's screaming in the background and I don't want to let myself escalate with the escalating screams that are going on. It's not me. (laughs) You know, this is his personality. I'm not doing anything wrong per se as a mom. And 
the first time around, I felt like maybe I didn't know everything. Maybe I was supposed to be doing something different or not holding him enough or not feeding him enough or whatever it was. Actually, this is in Sylvie's case. So knowing that it's hard, knowing that it's not me, and also I find it helpful to not feel helpless. And what I mean by that is I'm willing to try things. Even if my pediatrician says, oh, that's a homeopathic remedy. Who knows if that really works or the studies don't show. If my baby's crying all the time, I'm going to try the things that I'm going to try. <laughs> Spritz lavender everywhere. <laughs> I'm just going to do what, what I need to do and what I want to do. And I also believe in some of those remedies yeah. and have had success with them. But I want to feel like I'm trying things to help him. Baby wearing, oh my gosh, if you have a fussy baby, let's just say invest in the carrier that you're going to feel most comfortable in and keep that baby close because he is very content during the times that I'm wearing him for the most part. Another piece of advice that I've heard actually more recently too is you can't spoil a baby this tiny. So if you feel like your baby's crying all the time, it's okay if you're not putting them down and you're holding them for hours on end and you're not quote unquote getting the amount of floor time or tummy time, you need to manage this stressful time in this situation. I was telling Amy and Abby earlier today about last night, I was trying to make dinner and it was a very loud, screaming, stressful situation. And so I told Mark afterwards, I'm going to take a long, hot shower and I'm going to wash my hair and shave my legs. So it's going to take longer than it usually does. And I took that time to not have a screaming baby in my ear. And I came back so much more ready to tackle on the rest of the witching hour that was coming our way. So even if someone else can't console, it's okay to take a break and take time away. And that's just how I've navigated it because I have to use the bathroom. I have to get water. I have to take showers. And it's okay if your baby cries. Yeah. We interviewed another mom, Alicia, that had a very colicky baby. And I think one of the takeaways for those of us that are supporting moms with fussier babies, you know, Lisa's one of my best friends. We talk every day. I said, I'm going to come there. I'm going to hold him the whole day. Like, I will figure it out. So if you are supporting one of these moms, try a bunch of different things. Don't just hand her back her baby because that really just affords her the opportunity to have her hands free for one day. However long you're visiting, it's like, it's just such a nice thing to do. Okay, we're going to Um, switch gears and talk about a really difficult topic. But I also know that this is such an important one and that you have a heart for helping other women that have gone through loss. You've had two miscarriages in the past few years as you have been growing your family. Can you walk us through how you grieved, what helped, what didn't help, and maybe even how it changed your next pregnancies? Yeah, this is definitely a challenging topic to talk about, but one that I feel is important to shed light on. Everyone experiences grief differently. So my experience might not be what everyone who is listening, who has gone through loss has. But what I want to share is that you might feel like you can't come out the other side of it, but you will eventually. I 
looked at Ford, you know, a week or so ago and thought he would not be here had I not had my last loss. And I truly didn't know after that miscarriage experience if I could have another pregnancy. That grief process swallowed me. It swallowed me whole. And it took a really long time to think about what life would look like on the other side of it. And so I don't think that loss has changed my next pregnancies. It's truly changed my whole life. And as a person of faith, I have really had to dig in and recognize that God has a life for me that's planned that's not something that I can picture right now. And it might have twists and turns that I'm not prepared for, but that doesn't mean it's not still going to be beautiful. And so I have this little baby in my arms because of what I went through. I just want to tell other moms, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to cry about it, even for years to come. It's like I said, grief is so different for everyone and it can arise at times when you're not even expecting it to. And I think what has been helpful for me, for you know, friends who have been here through this journey, is it's helpful for people to acknowledge it, no matter when it you experience loss, if it's early, if it's, you know, people have this judgment of what week it happened, or they want to know those details. And for me, it was helpful for people not to ask too many questions or say, are you going to try? What is your outlook now? Or for someone to try to dig deep and say the right thing, but just to be there and hold space for that grief and that experience was really comforting to me. I'm glad that you went into those details, Lisa, because as somebody who has not experienced loss in that way, it's it's important to be able to support your friends in a way that they want to be supported. So you're really helping both sides of the picture here. So thank you for that piece of it. Okay, we're the shift gears here before we, before we get too deep into this, but we want to talk about the different work options and motherhood. So I know after your first daughter, you went back to work right after maternity leave. And after your second, you decided to stay home. So somewhere in there, you took up freelance work. And after you had your third, you did kind of a hybrid role with working for a company and then also starting your own business. So I thought you were the perfect person to ask about the different seasons of work and motherhood and how they really combine. So is there one that felt best for you? Any guidance you could give to women struggling with maybe wanting to make a change? I'm an ever-evolving person, as you can kind of sense from all of those different work situations. So after Maven, I did go back full-time, and part of that was a financial necessity for our family. And the goals that we were trying to achieve required me to work full-time and I didn't love that, but that's something that I did. After Sylvie, we scaled back and I worked part-time and then had that hybrid experience where I had a part-time remote job that felt a lot more flexible, also allowing me the opportunity to pursue my own business. And I don't think there's ever a situation that feels so great that you don't have any stress, right? It's not like I'm going to give you this validating answer that's going to tell you, Yes, if you leave your full-time job and go part-time, your your life's going to be so much different or so much easier or those stresses are going to go away. What I think 
I've really found through exploring what working motherhood will look like for me is finding the right role that's going to allow me to align with my values the most. So the fact that I want to put my family first means that I need to have a job that's flexible enough for me to do that. So working remote, working for a company, working on my own business, I have to set that value straight to say, sometimes weeks are going to look like chaos and I'm going to have sick kids and I'm going to have to take time off. And I don't want to feel the maximum amount of stress on that. I want to be in a situation where I feel like my employer or my work situation can be fluid enough that I can navigate it with my family. Um, Have your spouse on board with changes that you want to make. I think sometimes it's hard to vocalize that we want to make these big changes if we don't know what the big changes might be. Maybe it's a huge career shift. Maybe it's a shift from career to staying home. Talk through them extensively. Talk about the options. Talk about what the stepping stones are to get there. And don't limit yourself by what you think is possible. Because if I would have done that, I wouldn't be where I am right now in my work situation. I had to take some risk in leaving and getting to where I am today. And also, you'll find what feels good when you get there. Like I can't tell you that I would have known that this work situation right now would feel good because at one point I wanted to stay at home completely. I thought that was my future and I recognized how much I love to work, how much I wanted to have my own business and how much I identify as my whole being when I'm doing those things. Yeah, that's a, it's one of those questions where there's not going to be a right answer or an answer that works for everyone. It's going to be, you have to sink into figuring out what works for you, you know, and I think it's fair to say too, Mark has this very, very demanding job. And so to have that be what is happening in your family, you, you have to be able to be more flexible because like you said, kids are going to get sick things are going to be crazy. Schedules are going to need to be adjusted. Um, So figuring out what's going to be manageable for both you and your partner, if you have one, is so important. We want to stay on the topic of marriage for a second. So you guys have four children now, which is a lot. It sounds like a lot when you say (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a little bit You're telling me. Yeah. (laughs) But it's a lot, but it's also a lot in a marriage. I know I was reading a book and it said that it takes a marriage about 12 to 18 months to recover from having a baby. And so it's like, for some of us, we've just been going right back into the newborn phase that is really demanding a few times in a row. So we really wanted to ask you, what areas in your marriage, do you feel like you and Mark have some area for improvement? This is such an interesting time to talk about this because I think the biggest area of improvement for us right now is actually having time together. And you might think, yeah, because you have a newborn. But really, in this pandemic, Mark went from traveling almost every week for work to being home and working in our home office that is right outside of our house. 
And so he's actually around more. And logically, that would tell you that we'd have more time together. But we're in a very demanded season of our lives. He's demanded in his career and at home. I just had a baby. I'm obviously in this four to six weeks of newborn phase that I always say the first four to six weeks is so unpredictable. Like you are on call 24 seven. There's really not schedule or structure to things. Our kids actually just went back to school, which is adding a whole nother element to my schedule. And so time feels like we have so much of it because we've gotten so much back from Mark not traveling and not commuting to work, but really we have less of it together. And I share that because if you don't have time with your spouse or your partner, there's a lot of things that can fall to the wayside. Communication is less if you're spending less time together. If you rely on quality time together to develop your relationship and to feel connected, that is also lacking. And I think that's really challenging because we don't have a lot of time where we sit down and talk or connect. And those are things that we use to actually thrive in our relationship. And so it's not horrible. You know, we're not, we're okay, but we're recognizing this as a season and trying our best to get back to where we're our healthiest with time. And that is that we talk every single day. We date weekly, whether that's going out on a date or at home on a date, but we set aside that quality time together. And we've actually used this marriage journal of questions that we connect with weekly. And that allows us an opportunity to really have deep conversations where we feel like we're in touch with one another and how life is going. But it's hard when you go in so many different directions let alone have four kids who need you. Well, yeah, I thought your answer was so insightful. And I know for Drew and I, especially I can remember after our second, it was like I was literally seeing my husband as relief. So he would walk in the door and I would just see my relief. I wouldn't see my partner. I wouldn't greet him and ask about his day. I would hand a child off and that was it. It was like ships passing in the night. You forget the partnership and you just see each other as like help. And that if you let that go for too long, I feel like that's when you just start to go two different ways. Um, So I thought that that was really smart to think about, okay, how can we still have conversations about something other than what our four children are doing? Exactly. Really tough, though, for anyone that's in a similar season. So because we asked you for an area of improvement, I also want to ask, what is a place that you feel really strong? Maybe something you could share with our listeners of how you continue to serve that part. I actually feel a strong suit for us is being a team and knowing that we continually have to work together. Even if we're not spending the time together right now, we have to work together to make sure our lives are operating at work, in our household duties, for our kids, for all the responsibilities that now come with kids who are in school. And It's really cool that we are unconditionally supporting one another and our family life 
even through this season that feels overly demanded. We know that 110% we are both on the same page about being a team in this endeavor. So we share the parenting responsibilities and we can see that stress in one another rising. And so we act on that and you know, maybe it is me taking a shower when my baby's been crying for six hours and I need that relief. Or maybe if Mark's had a really long day at work, it's him going disc golfing or whatever the case is, we recognize those that we both have to be healthy to be in this team to keep our lives running forward. Also acts of service. I know it doesn't sound sexy and maybe it's not even how you receive gifts, let's say from your spouse, but acts of service when we're a team are really important because everything has to get done, right? And so rather than letting it fall on one person, we need to carry that weight together. And I think that we've been navigating that really well. We know that we are a family unit and we want the best for each other and for our marriage and for raising our kids. And so we're all in on that. And you said it so well that right there with everything has to get done. So let's go into that a little bit further and let's start talking about splitting up household tasks. So what does this look like for the two of you, especially with such a full and busy season right now? I know that you love to simplify, Elisa. So what systems have really helped your family to function as well as it does and can in this full season? This is a really interesting question to ask, and Amy kind of alluded to it. I should have just been really upfront. Mark does have a demanding job, and I don't say that as an out or an excuse or anything. He works really long hours because he needs to, and had he been at work pre-pandemic, he would be traveling. So our splitting of household duties has always been different because sometimes he wasn't around. He was literally gone traveling for work. So a lot of times things fell on me in in a way where we didn't make the same structure. Amy, I know you guys have more structure like Drew takes out the garbage or Drew does this and you, you know, take care of dishes or whatever it is. I feel like our structure is a lot more fluid, but now since we've been home a lot longer and Mark is around more, I can see the value in saying, here are the things that you do and here are the things that I do. It's just a totally different season in our dividing household duties relationship. I also get joy out of cleaning and organizing things and Mark doesn't. So, you know, there's certain things that I'm like, okay, well, I'll tidy up the kitchen and I'll talk to you about my system for that because that is something that I do. But really, it's this strength in team right now and this first four to six weeks with a newborn where I feel like we're skating by. So I can't tell you what the exact division of labor is, but we are making sure as a team that we're getting everything done, I would say. What is your kitchen system? I think we might need this. <laughs> and it's also funny when she's like, I like to tidy. I'm like, I cannot relate for one second. <laughs> I love that. But I truly feel like clearing clutter will clear your mind. And so that's how I live in my house. It just, I can't even start my day if my kitchen is chaos. I have to tackle that first. But my kitchen system, seriously, is do it the night before. I know that that does not sound fun. And sometimes after your kids go to bed, 
later than Wait, you want Wait, so you to. don't do any after-dinner dishes until every child is sleeping? No. I make sure that my kitchen is clean so that when I wake up in the morning, it's not cluttered. But actually, what I do is not wait until all of my kids are in bed. I think that, yes, I want to spend the maximum amount of time with them. I also want to show them that sometimes there's responsibilities at home that need to be taken care of. And so we share that as a family, whether it's bringing your dishes up from dinner and loading them into the dishwasher. My kids are old enough to do that now, and so they do. So usually after dinner... I clean up while Mark is playing with the kids and it doesn't feel like we're separated. I mean, we have an open concept. We're all in here right now. And so we're all together, but I'm not spending my downtime after the kids are in bed trying to catch up. I try to go along with the process as the night goes on. And so by the time that everyone's showering and getting pajamas on and kind of winding down for our end of day routine, my kitchen's cleaned up. It's like, okay, the kitchen's closed for the night. This has to stay clean so that no snacks. In the morning, everyone does get a snack, but they know that, like, go get your bowl, get your snack. Like, don't, don't do anything. Here. No, I'm not, I'm not that crazy about it in that sense. They can come in the kitchen, but that's our process. Like, then once the kids are winding down, we sit and spend time together. So I don't feel like I'm missing out by spending time doing it first. That makes complete sense. I think that's something that Drew and I could adjust for, I think, for working parents, which all of us are here, you feel like you want to spend so much time with your kids after daycare. And so that's been truthfully a challenge for me because I'm like, I want to be the fun mom that's running around and like, that's what I want to do. I don't want to do these dishes, but it is really stressful at the end of the night now for Drew and I to have like a full dirty kitchen. And we're like, I just want to go to bed. Like this is a lot. So we're right in that season. I took notes on that. Um, I couldn't let this interview go by without speaking about your journey of entrepreneurship, because I think often what happens, especially on Instagram, is people hear these stories or they see the highlights, they see the end point, and it looks like a really pretty manicured straight road to success. But as all of us know, that's really not the case. I'd love to hear more about Prim and Clove and the journey that you've been on and where you picture it going. I've always known that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know what that path would look like. And I was the one from the outside thinking that it was very manicured. (laughs) So as Amy is celebrating three years of co-owning Expecting and Empowered, I started around the same time. So three years when she launched, but obviously there's work before that. I was working on Prim and Clove during that time period and my trajectory was just so much different. I mean, obviously our businesses can't be compared side to side by side. There's different intricacies to it, but there were more hardships, challenges, red tape along the way than I ever anticipated. There were a lot of times where I thought, am I even going to be able to make this work? I don't think I'm going to be able to make this work. There was actually one time when 
I was in a therapy session and I was so stressed about making Prim and Clove happen. And I thought that I had hit the last dead end possible. And my counselor said to me, so what are you going to do? Do you feel like you could be done and walk away? Or is that an option? And I said, no, I can't be done. Like this is something that I'm going to do. And she said, okay, well, there's your answer. You're, you're going to keep going and you're going to figure this out. And I think the whole entrepreneurial journey has been a lesson in perseverance and in getting creative because I have no experience whatsoever in product creation, in manufacturing, in logistics of manufacturing in a different company or country, excuse me. And I just had to figure it out. I just had to figure it out. And so while I and my mind had a time frame of when I wanted this to happen, that was not the time frame that this was going to happen on. And truthfully, even now, because to be totally transparent, my business kind of officially launched and then the pandemic happened. And my first bag that is of the Prim and Clove line is a, a weekender and no one's going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Not only were there production challenges because of COVID, but purchasing was not top of mind for a lot of people. And so this has allowed me the opportunity to really dig deep on my why and why I created Prim and Clove, who I created it for, and ultimately where this business is going and what I want to see from it. And it's about supporting women who have busy lives, who need to simplify and organize so that they can continue on their life with the values that they want to uphold. So that's going to be through products. That's going to be through community. That's going to be through more fun things that are going to come very soon. But really focusing on the fact that it might not always look how you thought it was going to look, and it might not always happen on the time frame that you thought it was going to, but staying dedicated to the journey. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a roller coaster, really, because even on the outside, if it looks like it's going really well, behind the scenes, there's still stressors and things that 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 business owner doesn't want to do or be responsible for. <laughs> yes. And it's it's not all glamorous. I think that's one message that really makes sense. And then also the travel industry has been so heavily affected. I mean, even huge brands like Away have taken such enormous hits. Mm -hmm. So it's just, that's the time. And it's really, really hard. Abby and I are both proud owners of The Weekender. Um, so we're really excited to see what the future holds for Prim and Clove. If there is one last piece of advice that you would give to moms during this really full season of life, what would it be? What are you going to end with? I would say stay connected to who you are because you are a mom and so much more. Sometimes we identify with this motherhood perspective of us so deeply because we think about our kids constantly. They always need us. We spend so much time worrying about caring for all of these things for our family. And truly, if we respect and value and put time into what makes us us, 
we're going to be better at that role. Lisa, louder for those in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And please let everyone know where they can find more of you. Sure. It was so great to have you ladies here. I have missed you terribly. And this has been really fun. You can find me on Instagram at lisa.betcher. And Prim and Clove is at Prim and Clove. Thank you again so much, not only for inviting us into your home today, but for being on the podcast and for sharing all these amazing gifts with the world. Thanks, Lisa. Absolutely.